Well, good afternoon. Today we're going to talk about something interesting and hopefully get through it fairly quickly. So, we uh, made reference to it yesterday in Greek, the tetralemma. Or in Sanskrit, chatishkoti. Tibetan is like mudr. The idea of a suite of four discrete functions. This is, um, it's important in Dharmic traditions of Indian logic. And they say that just, you know, the dialectic of Buddhist, as well as uh, the skeptical Greek philosophy of Pyrrhonism. I've mentioned Pyrrhonism before, and the arrogance, this whitewash, thinking that, uh, you know, he wasn't influenced, or he was, but in a minor way. But to the task at hand. Let's mainly concentrate on post-Nagarjuna, which is important, because his um, explanation, I find, um, one of the better, and the related sutras, or the related writings, I should say. <clears throat> so, four extremes, as we'll say, thumbs up. Chatter, Chatteranta. Well, that's another way. It's Chattiscoti. So being, non-being, both being and non-being, neither being nor non-being. Right? So this is an idea in the Madhyamaka tradition, the middle way, that all things exist, all things do not exist, all things both exist and do not exist, and all things neither exist nor do they not exist. Right? And in Tibetan, this is these four extreme ideas. And we were talking about this yesterday. Right? They talk about a hedonist idea uh, that we do not perceive that, uh, or ascribe that uh, all things have a cause and effect. Or the atheist perspective is unable to perceive uh, past and future lives are the cause and effect. The nihilist position is simply that there is no causality or causal relationship between events and dharma, so cause and effect. And the fourth, being an externalist, holds the view, uh, an externalist meaning that, kind of like a, um, well, you, they believe in the uh, the unchanging Atman. We've discussed this before. We have the different perceptions of the Atman in the Buddhist perspective. It's our uh, Buddha nature. The only thing that is possibly uh, permanent is the fact that we have within us to realize this awareness, right? Versus, you know, this um, this uh, permanent soul. Well, I mention this because it's important because I was reading the Mula. Madhyamaka Karika. So quite a mouthful. And I was reading today, I was reading this chapter, I think it was chapter 15 or 18, on um, not self or the self. And he just goes over and over again, and all he's talking about is this tetralemma, Cheteshkoti, right? That it's not this, not that, it is this, it is that, it's neither this nor that, it's both. And that's all he continues to talk about, just as the Buddha. Same as with words being 
found wanting. So let me quote a couple from the Mudya, the Mula, the Mula Madhyamaka Karika. He who posits an entity becomes entangled in internalism and denialism, since that entity has to be either permanent or impermanent. And Nagarjuna talks about Swabhava. Swabhava, by definition, is the subject of contrary, uh, contradictory asper, uh, ascriptions. My apologies. So they're just saying that, you know, it, it, it's this and it's that, but it's neither this nor that. But they ascribe it one way or the other, label it, right? If it exists, it must belong to an existing entity, which means it must be conditioned, dependent on other entities and possessed of causes. But Swabhava is by de definition unconditioned, not dependent on other entities and not caused. Thus, existence of Swabhava is impossible. All right, that's your fourth. It's also in the physics. It's uh, this observation quandary where something can be both this and that at the same time. And it goes on and talks about nature. Nature is important in this case because we've talked about the Sanskrit word prak, prakti. Right? And in this case, they say it equals swabhava. Right? Does not entail an alter entity. So it says nature, prakti, or swabhava, has no complement. If anything existence, uh, if anything's existence is due to its nature, its non-existence will not occur since the alter entity complement of a nature never occurs. That is, that a nature is the class of properties attributed to a class of terms, since they are necessarily present throughout the range of the subject or class of subjects that cause their absence uh, do not occur. No, they're talking about persistence or externalism, right? Is something permanent? Does it exist? Is it how we perceive it? Or annihilation or nihilism, right? Something referred to as not being, right? And this is important because Shakyamuni relates in a thread from a discourse in the Kachanagota Sutra uh, and says, for the most part, Kachana, which Kachana was asking him questions, sentient beings depend on two kinds of belief. Belief that there is, things exist, and belief there is not, things do not exist. So here we are at the Tetralemma. And what's interesting, I really like that they actually quoted um, from the uh, Kachanagota Sutra, because if you read the Kachanagota Sutra, again, a Pali Sutra, uh, once again, we, we see this confusion of beliefs, because he wholly speaks, and I may even have it here, And I'll just, I'll paraphrase. And we have this confusion where we're asking, just as we've asked, does the Buddha exist after um, stepping off the wheel or is, is after his parinirvana, does he still exist? So he's trying to clarify this confusion 
right? So this tetralemma, or chetishkoti, is designed to teach us that it's not this nor that, it's, it is this and that, it's neither this nor that, and it's neither... It makes no sense because it very specifically states that words fail. And this is why. That in these two cases, one, Shakyamuni talks about how we see things as either being or not being. But we don't see the truth. That we don't perceive what we consider Dharma, uh, you know, uh, phenomena, prakti. We don't see them as they are. We believe them to be conditional or not. But we don't see that they're both and neither. So again, as I said, what's interesting is if you go and read a little further into the uh, Kachnagata Sutra, Shakyamuni goes on and says that words get in the way. Words are found wanting. You can't explain these altered states or this this awareness, right? When we're trapped on this wheel of becoming, when we're completely deluded by this practice, when we are in this dualistic state, right, as we've talked about, we either understand or we don't. We do or we don't. It's yes or no. It's a very binary situation. But that's the teaching here. The teaching is, since we are such a dualistic being and we exist in this on or off, yes or no, we don't understand, as was taught in the yin or yang idea, and there's the same idea of yab and yum in, in Tibetan. This idea like um, Shiva and prak, uh, Parvati. Right? One is a destroyer and the other is a, is a balancer. And he can be a creator, right? This is a, a back and forth, this yab, yum, yin, yang. The idea that it is neither and both at the same time. This observational quandary that how is it possible just like Schrodinger's cat. How is it possible that at once the cat is both living and dead? How? Because of our dualistic minds, we only see the two possibilities of that either exists, conditional or otherwise, or it doesn't. But we don't understand that it, it is neither. It's simple to understand, really. Because again, when we've gone over this over and over again, prakti, dharma, conditional things are all a manifestation of a mind, not that they don't exist, but they don't exist as we perceive them. And until we are fully cognizant of how we ourselves are guilty of this... Uh, confusion of reality until we realize that we are unable to even understand that we are incapable 
of understanding. You know what I mean? Until we're able to understand, we are unable, incapable of understanding. It's the same idea. You can see it in the Christian or the Judeo um, Christian tradition where they talk about that it is impossible for the finite mind to comprehend the infinite, right? How can we perceive something that is beyond the boundaries of our own perception? And that's simply what we're looking at here, right? Chattacolti is, is simply there to make us understand that words fail so we need to, almost like Kierkegaard's leap of faith, but again, being guided by logic. If we understand that each one of our consciousness, our ear, our eyes, and then just even our latent impressions, how it jades all of our future actions, our perceptions, reactions, even our discernment, so the teachings are simply understand that you are incapable of understanding. And then we talk about simple acceptance. It's not blind faith, right? In this case, it is shraddha. Shraddha being a different word. An idea of faith in everything you do And that's what we're looking at here. In fact, you can even see in the Kachanagata Sutra, you can see the source of this teaching. You'll see the word sat used. Right? A form used later, sati, to remember. What are we remembering? We're remembering that we're incapable of this perception. Therefore, we must continue to remember. So the takeaway was the conclusion is that it's a critical response to a mutual opposition of these two views. Right? Do things exist or do they not exist? We can see it, as I said, in this observational quandary in, in physics today that we can have particles that can both exist in different states at the exact same time, only differentiated by how it's observed. And that's interesting because there's even a recent study that came out that was showing um, quantum entanglement, talking about identical quantum particles uh, passing a practicality test. But again, they kind of made a mistake. They didn't prove why or how uh, quantum particles can be entangled, essentially be identical, um, but not be connected in any way that we can perceive, right? It's, it was talked about by Einstein himself. But this study tries to posit that there's some future to this entanglement theory. But all they simply proved that this entanglement theory, once again, is produced of our own duality. Okay, So simply, this entanglement states that 
uh, two particles, one on Earth or in your body, I think the example used, and one on the moon. They both operate identically. So they go on and say that they use their labels to try to distinguish between them, and they find it wanting. They're found left wanting. But what is found wanting? Not that you have proven whether they're identical or not. It's your labeling, your, your categorization, your comparative, your dualistic mind that was um, found wanting, right? Because there is no final solution to this. All they did was prove that their labeling is found wanting. And in fact, I believe that was even one quote. Yes, he says you could argue that these labels have no meaning. Because right? he said, unlike such distinguishable particles, truly identical particles are assigned labels that do not reflect any physical difference between them. So it's the labels that are found wanting. They didn't prove that the particles themselves were identical or operating in tandem. Or No. All they proved was our limited dualistic mind was found wanting when trying to understand some very complicated um, patterns in this universe. Again, we don't stop and see how this is showing exactly what we're talking about. Our eyes are incapable of viewing these differences. Our ears are incapable of hearing the differences. Yet we don't ever once stop and understand that maybe our minds themselves are incapable of perceiving the differences. Or, as I've said many times before, the possibility that our minds are the barrier to this understanding. So that's why I go back to the teaching from Nagarjuna that teaches us silence. Because we can't know until we understand. And until we understand, all we're doing is trapping ourselves to the dualistic perception that we're trying to overcome. So this is where this confusion of simply being or sitting or silence, or as I said before, sequestering oneself away from the world. It's an interesting uh, idea. So, Chetakoti, why don't you tell me what you think the, the Buddhist trilemma uh, is, is talking about. For me, it's speaking to... I mean, I never understood how dualistic everything in our universe is, right? On or off, black and white. Um, I mean, that's right cause and effect. We don't understand that there is no single source, right? Because that's what we do. It talks about this uh, in these, both of these sutras. You can read Nagarjuna talk about how we try to look at the cause or the, f the effect, um, trying to suss out all the different aggregates, right? Oh, this cause and that cause and this. You are incapable of doing this. Think of all of these unpredictable outcomes 
So the real idea is to teach us to just be.